Welcome to America's Top Rebbitsons. May this class be for our Rafua Shalema for Yehoshua Aryeh Leib Ben Malka Esther. I am so excited to have on today's show Rebbitson Yafa Palti. Rebbitson Palti is an inspiring speaker who has been around the world. She grew up in Brooklyn, moved to Israel, then to Mexico City, then to San Diego, and is now shining the beautiful light of Judaism in Miami, Florida. Rebbitson Palti has been actively involved in community affairs teaching, lecturing, and has led holobakes for thousands of women. She is also a trained educator, as well as a certified substance abuse professional. Wow. Kol HaKavod, you've done so many amazing things in your life. Tell us a little bit more about yourself. Okay. Um, that's, a, it's, that's a tough question to answer always. Uh, tell me, I'd like to tell you, Got that? Okay, sorry. <laughs> All right, um, that's a tough question. Tell you about myself. So where do I start? Um, I live in Miami currently. I my husband is a rav. Oh, I'm a wife. I guess I'll start there. I'm a wife. I am a mother, um, and I am a coach, a life coach. Well, here's the thing. My training really is in addictions. But I am, my passion really is in Torah education. Okay. So I've been a Torah educator for many years. And I actually became an addictions professional while I was living in Israel and teaching in different seminaries. And I noticed that many of my students seemed to be struggling uh, with different eating disorders. And that's when I realized that maybe I want to learn a little bit more about what they're going through. So I went back to school in Israel to, to study addictions. So my goal wasn't really to be an addictions therapist. My goal was really to be a better teacher. I wanted to understand where my students were coming from. But so in the process, I did have this training. So I've really been dedicating a lot of my life, even though really what I do is I'm, I'm really a Torah educator. I'm a speaker and I try to go around the world and give whatever I can. And my goal really is to help women rediscover the genius and joy of Judaism. That's really my goal. Wow. In the process, I'm able to use what I've learned about addictions to help as much as I can, because today I think we live in a society that is full of addiction. And I'm not just talking about substance abuse. I'm talking about behavioral addictions. Um, and I think, you know, we, this is something that really affects much of our happiness and much of our progress and success in life. So that's, that's what I try to do. That's fantastic. And I bet you really are successful in helping so many people. That's amazing that you do that. I can only try my best, you know, it's, <laughs> I do what I can do. Um, and along those lines, I know that you're passionate about helping people find their own inner peace, which they don't have if they're addicted to something. So many people are living from crisis to crisis, including addiction to addiction, going from one difficult situation to the next with no end in sight. What can people do? What do you recommend? What can people do to achieve calmness and peace of mind? Okay, that's a loaded question. <laughs> definitely hard to answer on one foot. Definitely hard to answer with this, you know, time limit that we have here on Zoom. Take your time as long as you need. But okay, but I'll, I'll uh, maybe we could just touch upon some ideas that I think can be very helpful if we could understand these and integrate these concepts. Um, the first thing I would say is how important it is to let go of control. We think that we could control everything. And a lot of like this anxiety comes from, you know, of, of needing to um, 
the things that cause us that stress and that uh, strip us of that inner peace that we're so you know deeply seeking is this idea that everything has to go the way I want it to go. I am in control of everything. Now, a lot of times this is a subconscious thought and, and it leads to subconscious behaviors. It's not, you know, we don't always, most of us, we believe in Hashem and we know that Hashem is in charge from a philosophical place. But do we really feel that emotionally? Right? And do we really understand that and live that way? In fact, this is why we say Shema three times a day, right? What's, why do we have to say it so many times? Say, once is enough. It's almost like, like an insult to our intellect, right? Again, I have to remind myself that that's one Hashem. I know this. I know, like, why again, right? And really, if you think about it, the longest path in life is the path from the head to the heart. Mm-hmm. So we know this intellectually. We say in tefillah, "V'yadata hayom, v'hashevosa elavavecha." V'yadata hayom. We know this. We know Hashem Echad. That Hashem is the only power that exists, and Hashem is in charge of everything. But v'hashevosa elavavecha. We have to bring it into our heart because we know it intellectually, but we don't always feel it emotionally in the way we live our lives and in the things we do. So we have to say it three times a day. We got to remind ourselves it's the power of repetition. So just. most stress and anxiety comes from this need to always have to, uh, to do and to accomplish and to be in charge and to be in control. And I think that that really strips us of some of the inner calmness. I think that there are two ways to see life. You can either see life as a challenge or you can, or you can see life as a threat. And people with high levels of anxiety usually see life as a threat. Mm-hmm. as opposed to as a challenge, as a way to help me grow and, and, and be who I need to be. And very often we live our lives in doing mode instead of being mode. And sometimes we need to be, stop and be present a little bit and, and say, you know, I'm not, this is not only about doing. We're, we're very goal oriented and we have like this, this, this idea of like this, um, this outcome goal, right? What's the result? I have to do and do and do. And if the result isn't exactly the way it's supposed to be, you know, we're living in like this, this inner chaos, right? Um, but there is something so powerful about the process goal as opposed to the outcome goal. Right. We have to focus so much more on the process. And this now we're in the month of Cheshvan. This is something that I see so clearly, a lesson from Rachel Imenu, whose yard site is in the month of Cheshvan. Her yard site always comes out in the week of Parshas Lech Lecha. And Lech Lecha is just that. It's, it's this idea of you're on a journey, a journey of self-discovery. Lech Lecha, go to you, go towards yourself, to the real you, to the essence of who you are. And it's a journey. Rachel had to, she lived in process mode, not in outcome mode. She waited so many years to marry her husband. She waited so many years to have a child. And it's this idea of being okay in the process and embracing the process and respecting the process as opposed to just living for what the outcome is going to be. This is the same thing, you know, a person who wants to, a person wants to lose weight, right? If you're going to go on all these diets, most of the time, you know, statistically, how long a person keeps the weight off if they go on trendy diets, or really most diets, they don't keep the weight off long at all. Most of the time, they gain it back plus more. 
right? What's the way to create, to be in a healthy place physically? Your goal has to be a healthy lifestyle. It means I have to learn how to treat myself in a healthy way, how to eat in a healthy way, how to move in a healthy way, how to be healthy, and then you'll have a good outcome. But it's about the process. It's not, you can't just be focused on, oh, I need to lose weight, I need to lose weight. I need to change a lifestyle. So in Judaism, we really believe in, in respecting the process and not only the outcome. In fact, one of my favorite teachings is from Pirkeavos, Lo Alecha Hamlacha Ligmar. It's not up to you to finish the results of your whatever you're doing in life, the result is not up to you. Right. What's up to you, right? What's up to me is the effort that we put in. Just try our best but we can't make ourselves crazy about the effort. So I think we need to learn to be a little bit more present, right? There are people, um, I think people can fit into uh, very often one of these two categories. You're either a past person or a present person. Oh, I'm sorry, a past person or a future person, right? Many, many people live in the past, always kind of going over in their minds. What did I say? What did I do? I did the wrong thing. I said the wrong thing. I wore the wrong thing. Oh no, I can't believe it. And kind of, you know, staying up all night, going over, all the wrong things that could have possibly said or done, right? And then there are people who live in the future. What if this happens? Or what if that happens? Or, you know, what if I'll say the wrong thing? What if I'll do the right thing? What if I wear the wrong thing? You know, and it's kind of like, and the problem with living in the past or living in the future is that we can't live in the present when that happens. Mm -hmm. So I think that if we can learn to let go a little bit of the control, let Hashem take, take control instead of us, Right, and this is kind of the missing the the link between hishtablus doing my effort and seeing a result. There's one link in between, and that is bitachon. That is, you know, leaving it up to Hashem and saying, now Hashem is in charge. Right, it's emuna and bitachon actually together. So that's that's what I would say about that. Right, and it's so frustrating. You're right. You're right. You definitely have that emuna and bitachon and Hashem that he's really in charge of the end result. You can only do so much, but you're not in charge of what, what happens ultimately. And that, that part, that part can be so frustrating to people because like you said, people want to be in control. They want to know my effort. I put in the effort. So I want these results and I want these results now. And it's very, very difficult to have both the patience to wait, to see maybe your hashtag will, will pay off. And even more importantly to know, your hashtag is only going to go a certain way. Your hashtag is for you, but it's really Hashem is going to be deciding the final result. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah, it could be, it could be very frustrating. And it could be, again, it's this waiting game. And this is this is what we learn from Rachel We have to wait. It's we it's a it's a journey, it's a process, and we have to take one day at a time and just make sure we focus all of our effort on today. What can I do today? How can I be better today than I was yesterday? How can I be a better woman? How can I be a better Jew? How can I be a better wife? How can I be a better mother? How can I be better at my job? How could how can I be one step better today than I was yesterday? It's about embracing the process and understanding that there is something so powerful about the process itself. If if you if we are just focused on the goal and not on the process, we're not going to be very happy people. You want to really be happy? We have to enjoy the process leading to the goal. And I personally, I, I just thought of a story, uh, an example about myself. I always wanted to play the piano. Like really, that was a big dream of mine always. And I'm very musical, but I never played the piano. When I was growing up, my older brother, he played the piano. And I, and I realized 
then that he kind of needed that identity and I didn't want to take that from him. So I just went to guitar instead. I played the guitar, but still, I always had this dream of being this piano player. And when I was 25 years old and I was very pregnant with my third child and I was working full time and living in Israel and, you know, no cleaning help, no nothing, you know, life was busy and hectic and tiring, but I had this like burning urge. I needed to play the piano. So I went and I bought myself a keyboard. Wow. And when did I have time to sit behind the keyboard? One o'clock in the morning after the laundry was put away and all the food was cooked and everything was ready for the next day. I finally sat down and I used to get so frustrated because I didn't want to sit and practice. I wanted to just play. Right. And I would sit there and I'd be like, why isn't it going? Why isn't it going? Like, I just wanted to be Beethoven with my fingers, like, you know, flying gracefully across, uh, you know, across the, the, the keys. And I couldn't, I needed to practice the boring technical parts of learning how to play a keyboard. And it was really frustrating me to the extent that what did I do? I sold my keyboard and to this day, I still don't know how to play piano. And I remember thinking, and I know it's not too late. I still can if I want to, yes. but, but the idea was that I was getting so frustrated. I was so miserable because I hated the practice part of it. I just wanted to play. And that's when I realized if you don't enjoy the process leading to the goal, you might not make it to the goal. And if you do, you won't be a very happy person along the way. And who knows how happy you'll actually be when you finally get there. So that's, that's so I, well said, very well said, yes. <laughs> so that's what I think it's all about. Just, just enjoy the process one day at a time. And that really brings a lot of inner calm and peace. Exactly, and it, exactly to that point, it's living life on purpose, one day at a time, gradual change, gradual progress, little by little by little by little. Because like you said, with the weight loss example, if you're gonna lose, I'm making it up. You're going to lose 10 pounds in one week. The next week, you're going to gain back 20 pounds. What you lost plus then some, you know? So one day at a time. And that's that's how you really make lasting permanent change. Yeah, it might take you a couple of months to lose those 10 pounds. But then once you lose it, like you said, you'll have a healthier lifestyle. Uh, you will have learned something along the way and your change will be more lasting. And that can be applied not just to weight loss, but to everything, as you were saying. Everything. Yes. Absolutely. That's right. Um, okay. Um, finding the power of your own inner strength is so important. Like we were talking this way, you can make those gradual changes. I don't think that people realize how strong and powerful they really are, especially Jewish women. Jewish women are so incredibly powerful, yet I feel like they just do not know it. And many women feel helpless, like they're a victim of their circumstances. But Hashem says, no, it's essential that we remember that everything is from Hashem. And the good is from Hashem and the seemingly bad is from Hashem. And I say seemingly bad because Hashem only gives us good, even if it doesn't feel good in the moment. And I feel like keeping this perspective in mind can alleviate so much of the anxiety and the depression. And the power perspective is very, very important. The way we look at a situation influences how we think and feel about it. I want to see if you can give us some more insight into this perspective. Ooh. I know another loaded one. I know <laughs> another loaded one, and this is this is tough because you know we're talking about sometimes you know real delicate situations, and we're talking about people who are really in a lot of pain, you know. And it's so it's so easy for us to sit here and say Hashem gives us the good, Hashem gives us the bad, and you know, and it's all the same. And meanwhile, like there's so much pain out there and there's so much suffering out there. And it's so, it's really difficult to be able to integrate that message um, and, and really be able to feel it and live it, mm -hmm. you know? 
So I, I think that we can start with understanding what happiness actually is, and that happiness is not based on something that's external. Happiness cannot be based on something, um, a particular event or occasion that we're waiting to happen. It cannot be based on a specific uh, time in life that we're waiting for. It can't be based on something or someone. Happiness has to come from within where we are right now. Because if happiness, if we're, if we're, if, if we're, if, if the pursuit of happiness is a real thing and we're actually chasing that happiness and that becomes the goal that I just want to be happy. So when will I be happy? It's kind of this rat race, you know, I'll be happy when I graduate school finally and I'll have my freedom and suddenly, uh oh, not happy yet. All right. I'll be happy when I get a job. Mm, I'll be happy when I leave this job and find a better job. You know, I'll be happy when I get married. Hmm. I'll be happy when I get divorced. Like, <laughs> where does it end, right? How, when does the race stop? So happiness can't be based on a certain something. Happiness also can't be based on a certain someone because we're disappointed in life sometimes with the people that are in it. Uh, we don't get to choose all, you know, necessarily the people in our lives. Uh, and sometimes we do make choices of who's in our life, but then we're surprised by who they actually are. And right, we're, we're always in a situation where we could be around people who might not make us happy. And, uh, and we have to understand that happiness, or by the way, they can be the most wonderful people. But if we're depending on them for our happiness, that also can't happen. It's not their responsibility or their job, or even in their pay grade, like nobody has the ability to make us happy. And I always say this when I teach um, my mat, when I do, I have, the, I give marriage courses. And uh, when I, when I teach my, my marriage class, the first thing I say is, I say, there is no such thing as a happy couple. And people immediately are like, I used to, like, this is what I paid for. What do you, what do you mean? <laughs> like, what do you, how could there be no happy couple? That's, that's what I'm, that's what I'm here to learn about. And then I tell them, there's no such thing as a happy couple. What you have are two happy individuals who can then become a happy couple. Mm -hmm. Nobody good. can make it right. Nobody can make you happy. They could only make you happier, but you have to start off with already being a knowing how to find happiness on your own. So what does happiness actually come from? If it's not dependent on something or on someone, happiness is about acceptance yes. when you accept the life that you have that is how you lead the rest of your life to happiness because you know we very often are not living what we consider our plan a life right plan yes. a it's something you know from when we're young we have these dreams and visions of who I want to be and who I want to marry or what type of person I'm going to marry or where I'm going to live and what I'm going to be doing at this stage in life and where I'm going to, and then life happens and you're like whoa right this wasn't in my mission statement at all <laughs> in my plan for life it wasn't there but this is the life that Hashem gave us and we have two ways that we can live that life Either we can constantly focus on the fact that we're living a plan B or C or D, we got all the way to Z, whatever number, whatever letter you're up to, right? We can focus on the fact that oh, this isn't the life I wanted. This isn't the life I expected. This isn't the life I'm supposed to live. And we feel deprived. We feel um, gypped. 
we feel uh, resentment, anger, bitterness, everything that leads to a life of unhappiness, right? Or we can realize something very, very important. We can realize that if this is the life that Hashem gave me, then my plan A was completely irrelevant because my plan B is actually Hashem's plan A. It's such an amazing perspective. It really, really is. Thank you. I'm, I'm glad it resonates with you because this, yes. is, this is what I try to integrate every single day. My plan B is Hashem's plan A. So I got to flip that and turn it into my plan A now because we can spend our entire lives being our own worst enemies. We can, we can just be angry at everything about our lives. We could be angry about who we are, about the, our situations, about who we married, about the children we have, everything, right? We don't get to, some things we get to choose and some things we don't get to choose, but we still never know what the result is gonna be, right? So we can choose to fight life forever or like life can be my enemy and I'm gonna just fight or we can choose to make life our friend. It's just going to have to be my friend. So I think acceptance is really the key to understanding that everything comes from Hashem. And, you know, I can be a victim of life or I can be a hero of my life, right? And, and we learned this um, incredible lesson from Yosef, Yosef HaTzadik, when he was sent, I mean, look at the life he had. Just look at the life he had from the very beginning. He lost his mother when he was a, a baby right? A toddler. He had his, all of his brothers were, were jealous of him to the extent that they sold him to strangers when he was a teenager. I mean, how many times, you know, do we say to our siblings, I'm going to kill you. I'm going to sell you. I'm going to, we don't actually do it. Like they really did it. You know, he yes. was sold, paid by his siblings. So everybody, he, he could have had some, some real serious trust issues with everything that was going on in his life. And he ended up in Mitzrayim, he ended up in this strange country, didn't speak the language, didn't recognize the food, didn't know a single person. He was completely alone at 17 years old as a young, young boy. And then not only that, but he gets there and he's thrown into prison for something he didn't do, right? Innocent, come on. I mean, what? how many of us would survive a life like this? No, it's incredible. It's incredible. And then what happens? He walks into jail and he meets these two famous people that we know about in the Torah, right? The, the, the baker and the, and the butler. And, and he looks at them and he says, hey guys, why are you so glum? And they're like, are you for real? Why are we, do you know where you are? Do you know where we are? The question is, why are you so chipper? Like, that's the real question. Like, look at the life you're about to have. And Yosef, Yosef said, and, and this was an incredible, this was his entire mindset. Yosef realized, he said, I don't know why I'm here in prison. I don't know why I had to go through all the things I went through and I'm living in this strange country now, away from my family. And I, I don't know what I'm doing here. But there's one thing I do know. I know that I have to make a decision. I can focus on the fact that I was sold or I can focus on the fact that I was sent. Was I sold? Am I a victim? Or was I sent somewhere because there's something I need to do? 
that's such a powerful perspective. You know, you're going to focus on the negative or you're going to try to find the positive. Are you trying to find the purpose of whatever situation that you're in? Even if it's one that it doesn't feel good to you, you feel like, why is this happening to me? Why me? Why always me? You know, and to think instead of why always me, why me? What am I supposed to learn from this? What am I supposed to go um, from here? What am I supposed to do? How can I turn this into a positive? What's my mission here? Exactly. The Hebrew word for why is lama. If you take the word lama and you just switch around a few of the vowels, you get lima, right? So lama is why, why me? Why am I here? Why am I sold? Lima means for what, for what purpose? right? For what purpose am I here? What do I have to accomplish? There's a bigger mission for me. And Yosef knew that. He said, I don't know what the mission is, but I do know that there's a mission. There's something I need to be. So we can't control the circumstances of our life, but we can control the quality of our life based on what we're focused on. We can choose to focus on, on either side, right? And Judaism believes that our main focus should be on the things we can control and not on the things we can't control in life, right? Um, so, and this is, you know, there's, there are these two mindsets. There's a, a fixed mindset and there's a growth mindset. And I think most of us fall into one of these two categories. Right. The fixed mindset is that mindset of, of, no, this is the way life is. I know all I need to know. This is who I am, right? We all know somebody like that. It's like some grandfather <laughs> out there. We all know someone with a fixed mindset, right? Yes. Um, and then there's the growth mindset. The growth mindset is what more can I learn? There's always something I can learn and I can take from this, from whatever life is offering, whatever we experience, um, you know, positive or negative. There's always something to help me grow and learn more and become more of the person I need to be. And this is really the only way to be happy. And, and you know, I've realized actually uh, over the past year and a half when, when everything was going on and this craziness in the world we're living in now, I realized that, that there are two words that as somebody in a fixed mindset, they spiral out, they spiral down on these two words. Somebody in a growth mindset elevates on these two words and they're actually the same two words. You know what they are? What are the words? What if somebody in a fixed mindset to that person, what if becomes all the things that might go wrong for someone in a growth mindset? What if becomes all the things that might go right? All the right? possibilities. Possibilities. Yes. So we either have the what if of anxiety. What if I never get a job? What if this happens? What if that happens? What if I never this? What if I never that? That's the what if of anxiety. We can flip that to a what if of possibility, right? What if... I try this path in life right now because who knows, maybe something big will open up for me, right? What if this happened because now I need to see who I really could be? What if, what if, what if, right? So those are the two different mindsets that all it takes is our own perspective to flip from a negative to a positive, right? And, and by the way, hope you don't mind me sharing a little bit more just because this is such a, a topic that I'm so passionate about. Of course. The superpower of a Jewish woman is exactly this, right? It's exactly this ability to have this mindset. And I'll tell you why. What are our three main mitzvos? We have ner, chala, and nida, right? So ner, lighting Shabbos candles. I'll just say very, very briefly because really this entire concept could be a two-hour talk. So ner, oh, when we light the Shabbos candles, what, what's the, what do we accomplish when we light the Like, why is this what we have to do to bring Shabbos in? Why don't we have the commandments, you know, go eat 
a chocolate chip cookie to bring Shabbos in. I think many more people would be keeping Shabbos. You know what I mean? Definitely. <laughs> so what, what's so special and significant about the candles? So the idea of a candle is that when you let a candle in a dark room, you suddenly see the things around you that you never saw before. They were always there. You just didn't see them because the room was dark, right? They didn't just come into existence with the light. They were always there. You just didn't see them. So that's the idea of the light. When we light the Shabbos candles, it's like those few moments where we can stand there and put our focus on the things that we have in our lives that we might take for granted, the blessings that we have, the people in our lives that we have, that sometimes we're so focused on the things we don't have that we forget to focus on the things we do have. And that's what the candle, the moment of lighting candles is for, to stop and say, oh, wow, look at all the blessings I have around me that I never really paid attention to. Right. So that's number one, that's with the candle. Then we have the challah. The idea of challah is the word challah comes from the word chol. Chol, as in chol hamoed, right? right? It means the ordinary. Chol hamoed means the regular day within the chag. Mm -hmm. So chol means ordinary. That's what challah comes from. And when we pick out, when we take that piece of challah and say the bracha on it, what we're doing is we're saying we're taking something that's so basic, like, like flour, like dough. It's so basic and we're elevating it into something greater. We are taking the ordinary and we are turning it into something extraordinary. That's the goal. That's the power of a Jewish woman. Anything that we have in our lives, any disappointments, and we have lots of them right? We can take those disappointments and turn them into something so special and so great and so expansive, right, for our lives. And then we have Nida, which is family purity. This is to understand so many times where like Nida is like, what does this even mean? Why do I have to separate? What, what is this? What, how does this enhance my life in any way? Why is this color good, that color bad? Like so many questions about Nida. And many people, you know, ask me sometimes, what is the the, the point of Nida, is it, and, and uh, you know, is it about enhancing our relationships? Is that why we have to do it? Because if that's the case, then Nida is actually making my relationship worse because I hate when I have to separate from my husband, you know? And then I have to, and, and I try to explain to them that that's not the reason we have Nida. That's a byproduct of it. That's maybe a, a, a good, um, side effect of it, a good bonus of it that very often works. And again, we have to learn how to use the time of Nida or to enhance your relationship. That's, that's something that needs to be learned, right? But that's not the reason. The reason we do it is simple. This, it's the same reason we do any mitzvah. And here's how I like to say it. HSS. Hashem said so. That's it. <laughs> that's the reason. It's because Hashem commanded us to do it. This is a whole different level of acceptance. First, we were talking about accepting the physical life that we have. This is understanding that there's an acceptance of halacha also, an acceptance of Torah. We might not understand all the reasons. Right. We know that if Hashem has, again, this goes back to that level of bitachon. If we understand that Hashem loves us more than anyone or anything, and he has our best interest in mind at all times, then we have to understand that the mitzvot are for our benefit, even when we don't understand them. So it's this idea of, acceptance of Hashem, acceptance of his Torah, and acceptance of his decisions for our lives. And that is the only way to truly be happy. And, you know, I have a friend who recently who lost, unfortunately, her 18-month-old child. Uh, suddenly, it was SIDS at 18 months old. I'm so sorry. 
so sad. And, and she spent such a long time asking why, 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 why? And she was in such a plan. And of course, this goes without any judgment. We never, ever, ever understand, you know, how anyone feels. And even if we've been through something similar to anyone, everybody's grief is personal and it's their own. Yes. But but this is, you know, coming from her where she was why, why, why? And she was so miserable, not understanding why this happened and how it could happen. And then as soon as she was able to stop and say, oh, I'm never going to know why. I'm never going to really understand why. I just have to accept that this is what Hashem wanted for me. As soon as she was able to do that, that's when she was able to move on with life. You know, and it's it it such a high level. It's like a really, really oh, high level of acceptance. A thousand percent. Yeah. A thousand percent. But this is her personal story, you know, of how she was able. And I think we each have, you know, stories of our own. And Bezat Hashem, you know, it shouldn't, it shouldn't be for, for, for tragedies, but even when smaller things in life, when we have smaller inconveniences and things that are just difficult, everything is always so much better when we're able to stop and just accept. And you know what? Sometimes it's the acceptance itself. I'm going to share one quick story with you, then we can move on. I know I'm like, I don't know if I'm talking more than you wanted me to, no, but this is great. Flowing because, you know, I, I, this is just one thing, you know, one thing leads to the next. And I feel so passionately about this. Um, when I, this is a long, long, long story that I'm going to consolidate, but I live in Miami now. We moved here two years ago. And before we moved here, we lived in San Diego, California, where we needed to, we decided that we had to leave. Uh, it was the best thing for our children and for their chinuch. And it was, it was a difficult place. We only moved there to help build a Jewish community. And we did. And then we said, we have to just give it over to someone else. Now, this isn't the right place for us. But we weren't sure where to go. Like we, my husband is from Mexico. And he speaks, he speaks English fluently, but Spanish is really his main language of communication. Mm -hmm. I speak Spanish now, but English is my main language of communication. And I lived in Mexico for 11 years before moving to San Diego. That's a whole nother story. Maybe one day I'll tell you, I'll share it with you. Yes. But I lived in Mexico and it was so hard for me. And I had to do a lot of this work that I'm talking about now. A lot of this not feeling like a victim and really, you know, being able to understand that I am not sold, but I am sent and I have a mission here. And it took me a while to get to that place, you know, uh, but eventually I did, but it still was hard. Every day was an avoda. Every day I had to wake up. And the first thing I said was Hashem, today I'm going to be happy. I, I'm choosing happiness today. You know, I'm choosing to be able to to be who, who I, you know, to reach the greatest level that I can reach today. And, you know, it wasn't easy. And again, just briefly, culturally, lang I didn't speak the language. There was, it was, I was very disconnected from everyone and everything it was very, very hard to live there. We moved there for the right reasons. We moved there because, so my husband can teach Torah to the community and he was doing great work. But for me, it was much, much harder. Right. So just, you know, in a nutshell, of course, it's, you know, much deeper than that. Um, so, but, but it was, you know, it was hard for me, but I did make it work. And when we left, I thought that was such a chesed of Hashem, like, wow. So I did what I had to do here. And now you're allowing me to go back to America where I can, you know, be freer to be me, you know, and, and, and maybe I can serve you from a better place, you know? Um, but we weren't sure where to move to after San Diego. And we had an amazing job offer back in Mexico. Oh, wow. And 
I know. And it was such a challenge. And I was like, really, Hashem, really? You know, I made my the best of, of my life living there. I really tried hard. For three years, I was in America and, you know, things were easier. Now back to Mexico. And I know we wanted to move to Miami, actually, but because we thought Miami was going to be a great compromise for my husband and myself, because there's so much uh, Spanish speaking here. There are so many uh, Latin Jews here. For sure. So English. So we thought it was going to be a great compromise, but we couldn't really find the right job. And there was one place in one community they wanted us as a rabbi, but their vision was smaller than our vision and it wasn't going to be enough of Parnassa for us and it wasn't going to be enough of, of a, you know, of who we could be, you know, it was a little too small of a job. So it was very difficult and we were trying to work it out with them, but I don't know, I didn't know if they were going to see our vision or not. And meanwhile, Mexico offered us this amazing job and we were really like, ah, what should we do? And my husband was excited about going back, but he knew that it was going to be much more difficult for me. And by the way, my children as well, the, another adjustment again back there, you know, but really, you know, I, I was, I wasn't happy about it. Anyway, um, let's, it was on a Tuesday in March of two years ago. It was on a Tuesday where we were supposed to hear back from um, Mexico when we were supposed to respond. We were going to sign the contract okay. on that day, on a Tuesday morning. Monday night, I spent the entire night crying and I was not just talking to Hashem, I was actually yelling at him, which is okay, by the way. He wants us to express all of our emotions to him, you know? He wants us to treat him like our father, you oh, know, yeah. like somebody who's really there. And I was, I was really like expressing myself to him, like, why? Like, why do you want me to go back to Mexico? You know how hard it was, and you know that all I want to do is serve you, and I can't serve you in Mexico because it just doesn't work in terms of the culture, in terms of the language. It's still not who I am. Like, I don't understand this. And towards the end of the night, the early morning, I was able to come to a place of acceptance. And I said over and over again, I said, Hashem, I accept this. If this is what you want for us, I accept this, believe Shalem, you know, with a complete heart. That's it. I accept, I accept, I accept. And I, and I was able to smile and I was able to really be in, in a better place. An hour before we were supposed to sign the contract that morning, we get a phone call from the community in Miami. Yes, we are, we want to, we see your vision and we want to be that place for you. And we got an amazing offer from them and we'll be able to accept to go to Miami. And here we are. And to me, it was such a powerful lesson. By the way, I even wrote a poem that night while I was up crying all night. Yes. I wrote a poem and um, I said, roses are red. I have a new home no one to talk to forever alone. Like that was my pity poem, you know? And I was like, this is what life is going to be, you know? And then, and then Hashem said, you know what? That's it. All I wanted was your acceptance. You were fighting it and fighting it and fighting it. I just wanted your acceptance. That's okay. You're free to go now, right? Now you can go to Miami. And to me, that was such a powerful lesson because sometimes that's all it takes. It's just acceptance. Sometimes we just have to stop and say, I accept. That's such a Shkaha protest. That's so like you can see it coming from Hashem. Like you can see it. Like like yeah. like you can see it. Really, really, you can see it. I mean, you were up all night. You were davening. You were screaming. You were crying. You were like really, really like storming the heavens with what, yeah. how you think, how you feel. You really wanted him to hear you. And of course, he knew all along what was going on inside of you. But he really wanted you to express it, and you did. And then finally, 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 like you said, you came to a place of acceptance, which is where he wanted you to be. And I think it's such a, such a powerful message to everybody listening that even if you're going through the most 
difficult struggle, whatever the struggle might be, whatever, in any aspect of your life, marriage, parenting, um, jobs, life, anything, just you have to struggle with it. I think the struggle is real. I think that the struggle is there. Really, it's a real thing. And it the struggle takes time. It's not going to be like overnight and that's it. Like it, it could take days and weeks, months, even maybe years, honestly, for some people, depending on what they're struggling with. But when you do come to that point of acceptance and you can say, like really, really take that deep breath and just say, okay, yeah, I accept it. This is from Hashem. There's a purpose. I, I accept it. Like really, really to be okay within yourself with the acceptance of what Hashem has given to you, whether you have, would have written the script that way or not, you know, then that's when you can start being okay. And then that's when you can really start seeing the hand of Hashem in your life. And you could see how he's guiding you. He gives you clarity. He gives you direction. I think it's just, it's such an important point that you made. So thank you. Exactly. You're very welcome. <laughs> that's what thank you. Um, we're, we're running toward like the end. Um, let me see. Um, do you have anything else, like maybe just to give some, uh, some personal examples or either from your life or from the life of somebody that you, that you know, just like, so people can apply, like, like Hashgaha practice, seeing the hand of Hashem in their, in their lives after they've struggled with the situation, just so we, that we can inspire people just to keep going in their struggle and their mission and just encourage them, just really, really encourage them, whatever you're struggling with, just, you know, to propel them toward acceptance. Um, I just, I want to make sure I understand the question stories of Hashgacha Pratis. What, what do you mean? Just something experience. What you just said? Exactly. Exactly. Along the lines of what you just said, like how, how you were talking to Hashem and like finally reach, reached a place of acceptance. Like, do you know of any of, you know, you don't have to say names or anything, but just any other, um, stories of other people going through something where they really, really struggled with it and finally reached a place where they accepted it and they were in a much better place mentally and emotionally and like when they were able to proceed with their lives instead of just being stuck in that feeling of anxiety and depression well you know i just gave you a couple of examples um i mean i feel like you know everybody listening can could probably apply those to their own circumstances in life because really this could be understood in so many ways you know um I mean, another personal story comes to mind, but th this actually is taking it to the next level, which is also important. It's acceptance. And then after acceptance, you know, the acceptance has to come with tefillah as well. Yes. You know? Which I is do. also so important, understanding that, the, you know, so the story that I said came with the tefillah also. Yes. But another story just comes to mind. Um, this is going back many years ago, another personal example, when I was pregnant with my third child at the end of my pregnancy, I actually uh, started not feeling well. I was very, I, I, I started feeling very faint all the time. Um, like I didn't have enough blood flow to my brain and it was very scary feeling all the time. And I was extremely weak and it was very hard to move. And it was very scary. I was home alone with two babies and another one on the way. And I remember that first time it happened, I was sitting on my couch, I was in Israel, folding laundry, two babies playing near me. And all of a sudden I felt like I was going to faint and I panicked and I tried calling my husband and he wasn't answering. I actually called Hatzalah. Wow. I didn't know what to do. I didn't want to be alone in my apartment. If something happened to me, I wanted somebody to come in, you know, mm -hmm. and they came and it was like, nobody can really figure out what it was. And, it, and that's went on every day. It went on every hour of every day. Mm -hmm. um, and it continued for a month. And then I kept thinking, okay, maybe when I give birth, I'll feel better. I don't know what it is, but I kept feeling faint all day long. 
And finally, and I gave birth and I was so looking forward to getting back to myself, but it didn't happen. And I continued these feelings of like very lightheaded and then feeling like I was going to faint all the time. And it was to the extent, it was actually debilitating. And I was in bed for like two months after the birth. Also, I couldn't move. I couldn't go anywhere. If I walked outside of the house with the kids, I had that feeling again. I was, I panicked. I just went back inside. And meanwhile, I depended a lot on my husband who was in Kolel and he was missing so much Kolel because I was usually in charge of everything before then. I was, you know, super capable and I let him learn all day and all night. And he had to, and, and, and it was, you know, it was, it was difficult. He had to wash the floors and clean the bathrooms and to and bathe the kids, wow. which was not the, the, the system that we had at all. And it was, you know, out of the norm. After about two months of this, which means three months altogether, because it was for a month before the birth and two months after the birth. Um, one day, my husband was walking to Kolel and it was, he had, I don't know if you're familiar with Harnof, but they're like, you don't go on streets, you go on steps. Yes. So he had 200, 250 steps from our house to the Kolel every day, back and forth. He was in super great shape back then because of that. So um, he, so one day it was 11 o'clock and he was only able to get to Kolel every single day. He's been going at 11 instead of at nine. And it was just, it was very frustrating for him, you know? And one day, um, you know, he always had like his little tefillos here and there, like, oh, we're to my wife, but it was nothing, you know, and one day he was walking up the stairs and he said he broke down right in the middle of the stairs and he just started crying from the depths of his heart. And he said, Hashem, I don't really know what you want from me. I don't know what you want from us. I am here in Eretz Israel because I'm here to learn your Torah and I'm here to become a Talmud Chacham. And I'm not able to get any learning done because my wife isn't feeling well and she needs my help. And all I'm doing is, you know, I'm taking care of the house and taking care of the kids. And all I want to do is learn Torah. And I'm here to serve you. And, and I'm not able to serve you the way that I want to. Right. He said, you know, I understand that this, is what you decided is what our family needs. But right now, I really think it's time to let me go back to learning Torah. And he said it was the most heartfelt feel he ever had. And it was the first time he actually had this level of acceptance out loud of this is what Hashem wants. But you know what? That's not good enough for me. Right now, I need more <laughs> than that because I'm trying to serve you in, in, from, a, from a higher place. And that's really what I ask of you. And it, it was a feel that came straight from his heart. And he went to Kolel after that, and he came back home at 1 p.m., which is what he always did. And he said he walked in the door, and the first thing I said to him was, you know, I'm feeling a little better today for the first time. And that was the first day of my recovery. It turns out that I was diagnosed a year and a half later, went on for a year and a half. But I was, but you know what, I was feeling a little better, but I was also, I came to a level of acceptance in what was happening to me. And I was able to start functioning a little more after, you know, when you learn your new body, yes. I learned how to, how to cope with what I was going through. Yes. But that was the first day. And it took a year and a half till I was diagnosed. In the end, I had something called neurocardiogenic syncope, which was um, actually something where my blood was not flowing pro- properly to my brain. And it took a while. I was on beta blockers, a whole thing. Baruch Hashem, a million times I was healed and cured after that. But it was an amazing moment where he accepted it. And then he said, and, and he like, and he really cried out from the depths of his heart that he's never done before. And that's also an amazing lesson because sometimes, as I said before, all Hashem is waiting for is acceptance. And then he's like, great, no problem. And sometimes it's the acceptance plus the really heartfelt tefillah, you know, that's needed. 
That is so, so incredible and inspiring. It's just, I can't, I don't even have any words. It's just so amazing. And I feel like this story and the other stories that you told, all the personal examples, I think they're just so um, inspirational and motivating for, the, for our listeners who are hearing this, just to know that whatever they're going through, first of all, they're not alone. They're not the only person in the world who's going through a real, real serious internal struggle. And uh, there is a way out, so to speak. And it's through the acceptance, it's through tefillah, and Hashem is always listening and watching and waiting for, for us to reach out to him, for us to dominate to him, for us to give yeah. our tefillah to, to him. So yeah, yeah. And, it, and it goes back to what we said at the beginning, letting go of control, recognizing yes. Like that's what happened in this story with my husband. He said, Hashem, I'm just putting it all in your hands. Like there's nothing else I can do. I want you to know that I want to go back to learning full time, but I'm, I'm putting it in your hands, you 100%. know? Yes. Amazing. And so inspirational. <laughs> Thank you Thank so much, Robertson Palti, for taking the time to join us on America's Top Robertsons. We really appreciate you being here. And um, I really hope that this class is going to be indeed a refuah for Yehoshua Arieh Leib Ben Malka Esther. And if anyone in the audience has any questions or comments about the podcast, or if anybody would like to sponsor the podcast, please email us at atrebetsons at gmail.com. That's at R-E-B-B-E-T-Z-I-N-S at gmail.com. Thank you so, so much. You're welcome. If anybody wants to reach out to me, they can find me on Instagram or um, you can email me, yafapalti at gmail.com. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you so much. Okay. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me here. Hatzlacha with this podcast. And I'm honored to be one of the first to grace the presence of this incredible new project. Amen. Thank you so, so much. Amen. Bye.